We're going to consider firstly the secret. Secondly, the coincidence. And finally, the greeting. Couldn't be more simple, could it? So firstly, let's consider the secret. Because we're introduced to it, the secret, in chapter 2, verse 1. Whereas most detective stories keep their secret to the last page or last chapter, the writer of Ruth lets us into a secret, the secret of this book, at the start of chapter 2. The secret, if you haven't guessed already, Boaz. Boaz. A relative on Naomi's husband's side. Would you, Adam and Eve, it? A relative on Naomi's husband's side. Remember at the end of chapter 1, Naomi came back from Moab. Tail very much between the legs. A sense of hopelessness. A sense of helplessness. Her expectations were probably nil. And yet, mystery of mysteries, we are introduced to the secret. Boaz. A relative on Naomi's husband's side from the clan of Elimelech. A man of standing. Two thoughts about Boaz, if I might, at this stage. Though, Undoubtedly, we'll look at Boaz again during our studies. My first thought is that he is a relative. The authorized version prefers the expression kinsman. Now, the crucial importance of Boaz's family link will become clearer as we progress through these studies. But it is important for us to know of this relationship. Since it is only because of this kinship with Naomi that Boaz fulfills the role which he later fulfills. So, to put it simply, family here is everything. Family here is Everything. By family, of course, the Old Testament means a much wider network of relationships than our concept of the modern, postmodern family uh, that we have these days. David Atkinson, Old Testament scholar, says, in Israel's understanding of itself as God's covenanted people, Theological, social, and economic realms were all bound together with the family. As the focal point. So family solidarity was thus extremely strong in ancient Israel. And members of the wider family had obligations to help and to protect one another when the needs arise. Bless God tonight, we belong to the family. I use the definite article on purpose. Because we're not talking about any old family, i.e. the family of the Athertons, though that's a special family. I'm not talking about any old family, like the family of the Reeses, though they're pretty good also. No, no, I'm talking about definite article, the 
family. For there is no other family like it. I'm talking, friends, if you've not guessed already, about the family of God. The family of God. What a joy it is tonight to belong to the family of God in Christ. And yes, we're talking about the same ancient family that was once Israel. Because if we are in Christ, then we are, says Paul, grafted into the vine. Hallelujah. The vine, the holy Israel. The family, the family of God in Christ. What a pleasure to belong to the family of God. And in the wider family of God, I would like to think that Christian solidarity is such that members within God's family recognize their obligations to help, to protect one another when the needs arise. Yes? Ever since I was a child at senior school, I took my position as the older brother to Neil very seriously indeed. And if my younger brother Neil, four years my junior, was ever in trouble, I would always endeavor to go to his aid, whether he liked it or not. I remember on one occasion the cry going out, Your brother Neil's in trouble! There's a gang surrounding him and he's going to take a beating. Well, older brother, hearing of the need, went to his aid, rushed round the corner from the senior playground there in my school to the junior playground. And as I rushed round the corner, there I could see my brother Neil surrounded by some rather large fellow pupils. Well, I took a beating for my brother that day. I came to his aid. Wasn't much use. There were more of them than me. That's my excuse anyhow. But my brother Neil was in need. And he's of the family. And I went to his aid. It was my responsibility. My duty. And I took a beating for him. Have you taken a beating for any brothers or sisters in Christ lately? Perhaps not physically speaking, but but uh, have you taken a beating on behalf of a brother or sister to whom you went to help? Maybe you've taken a beating in the place of prayer on behalf of a brother or sister in tremendous need. You've took a spiritual beating. That's why we are here. We belong to the family of God. And as one part of the family hurts, so we all hurt. As one member of the family is in need, so we all equally are in need. How seriously do we take our positions of responsibility within the body of Christ? The Apostle Paul writing, of course, to the Galatian church in chapter 6 verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. I, I do prefer the authorized. It says, Bear. Each other's burdens. There's a, a deeper connotation to bearing. Wouldn't you agree? It's one thing to carry from A to B and leave it there. But to bear the burden kind of implies that you, you keep that burden on you, with you. 
on behalf of your brother and sister. And in this way, says the Apostle Paul, you fulfill the law of Christ. Again, Paul to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. The secret, Boaz, and he's a family member. Maybe you're the secret in your context or within the context of this church. A family member whom God will raise up to take a beating on behalf of somebody else. To help, to comfort, to console, to to succor, to pray for. Secondly, Boaz was a man of standing. The authorized prefers a man of wealth. The expression's an interesting one, and as you know, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm dependent upon those that do know Hebrew well. But the expression used here in the Hebrew is perhaps more rightly translated, he was a valiant man. I like that. He was a valiant man. The same word is used of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 verse 12 where Gideon is referred to as a mighty warrior, A.V., a mighty man of valor. The same word is used uh, in Moses' prayer for Levi in Deuteronomy 33 verse 11 where he says, bless Lord his substance. That's what we're getting at here, friends. Boaz was a man of substance. Oh, God, give me a church full of men and women of substance. How sad it is that too often our churches are filled with shallow folk. Shallow folk. When things don't go our way, well, the inclination is to, to sling the huck and, 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 and just, throw, just, just go home. But, but, but not... Not Boaz, he was a man of substance, a man of standing. He was a valiant man of integrity. It's a funny old scripture, isn't it? Because in in Ruth 3 verse 11, the word used of Boaz here, Boaz later uses of Ruth. So this isn't just a, a gender thing about a valiant man. He uses it of Ruth and says that Ruth is a woman of noble character. A virtuous woman. Oh God, give me a church full of men and women of substance. To be thus, we need to have our roots roots deep into Christ, don't we? Into his word. Into the things of God. Not so much consumed with trivialities, as oft times we are, but preoccupied with Jesus. Men and women of substance. That's the secret. <laughs> Naomi in her helpless state is introduced to the secret. A family man. A man of substance. God, give me a family like that. (laughs) The family of God in Christ. Men 
and women of substance. Men and women who are valiant. Men and women of standing in Christ. Men and women of noble character. Of virtuous state. Such are those who are the children of God in Christ. That's the secret. That's what we here at Kuiper Mind Community Church need most, isn't it? We need the family of God in Christ and men and women of God of noble character. My second thought is this, the coincidence. <laughs> the Revised Standard Version's translation of chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 is, she happened to come. I like that. We're all, I'm sure, very familiar with the often quoted verse of the Apostle Paul to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Friends, one of the most important features of faith in God's providence is that it teaches us that even our accidents are within His care. <laughs> Ruth, at this stage, apparently unaware of the existence of Boaz, has the initiative, the presence of mind, to take advantage of one of the generous provisions of the law of Israel. That provision concerning gleaning, gathering after the reapers. So, whilst she and Naomi were in a difficult circumstance, she didn't just simply sit and wallow in the circumstance, did she? She had godly initiative. Oh, God give us godly initiative. Nothing wrong with that. And because of godly initiative, she went and availed herself of this provision of the law. A law that out of Concern for the helpless and the poor and the sojourner. The Levitical laws required reapers in the fields at harvest time to leave a portion of the crop to be collected by the needy. And the reapers were not to go back for the grain that they had dropped. They were to allow the needy to come behind and gather as they, as they were able. And so Ruth, not wallowing in the severity of her circumstances, took godly initiative. One wonders how she understood the law, this Levitical law. She wasn't a Jew. I can only guess that, that Naomi had introduced her to the, to the Pentateuch, to, to the Word of God. Who knows? But she understood this law and she went to the fields. As it turned out, we read in the NIV, as it turned out, Ruth found herself working the, author, the Revised Standard Version, she happened to come to a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Ruth took godly initiative. And what men might consider to be a coincidence turns out to be God's providence. Isn't that amazing? The number of times in my life, mere coincidences have turned out to be God's divine providences. 
And with hindsight, one looks back and lifts up one's heart and hands and says, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The authorized version puts it rather delightfully, this verse. I love it. Referring to Ruth, her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. (laughs) I like that, don't you? Her hap. What to Ruth may have been a sheer coincidence in an unplanned set of circumstances, we understand, as indeed Naomi seems to later understand in chapter 2, verse 20, we understand it to be the outworking of God's gracious, providential care. My friends, isn't God good? In spite of ourselves, He works wonders. And of all the fields upon which Ruth happened to hap, she happened to hap upon the field of the secret. Boaz. Wow. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing? Hallelujah. There's an old song, he's got the whole world in his hand. And so he has. My friends, God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Says the hymn writer, he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. (laughs) My unbelief is sure to err. And try his works in vain. But God is his own interpreter. And he will make it plain. Isn't it wonderful? Ruth happened to hap upon the field of Boaz. And my friends, in spite of what the world might wax lyrical about, there was no coincidence about it. We are here seeing the providence of Almighty God. How many fields do you think she could have happened to hap upon? We don't really know. But I'm quite, uh, well, I, I did a little bit of reading to try and find out. Thousands. Not hundreds. Thousands of fields probably would have been in harvest, the barley harvest. God is wonderful. And God here is working out his divine purposes in and through Ruth's intentions and Ruth's efforts. I marvel at that, I have to tell you. Yes, my friends, we make a choice. We express a will. But if we're in Christ, then that choice, that will, is bound by the providence of God. Isn't that amazing? Now, yes, of course, you can stand, you can move outside the will of God, outside of His will. And depending on whether you're uh, reformed in theology or Wesleyan in theology, uh, I'm a little bit between the two. You can move outside the will of God, but I genuinely believe that no man can snatch you from God's hand. 
You might be able to divorce yourself, again, depending on your theology. But if God can draw you back by his providential care, isn't that amazing? Praise God for his providence. Abraham Kuyper was prime minister of Holland at the turn of the last century. He was a professor of theology, a journalist, an author, and he founded the Free University of Amsterdam in 1880. In his inaugural lecture at that university, he said these famous words, I quote, There is not an inch in the whole area of human existence of which Christ, the sovereign of all, does not cry, It is mine. Wow. In other words, he's in control. Charles Simeon said, What is before us we know not, whether we shall live or die. But this we know, that all things are ordered and sure. Everything is ordered with unerring wisdom and unbounded love by thee, our God, who art love. And he prays, Grant us in all things to see thy hand through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, think for a moment about the coincidences in your life and marvel at the providence of God. Your life is in His hands. He's overshadowing you. He's undergirding you. He's protecting you in spite of yourself. Finally, the greeting. I guess, for those of us who are working, I guess none of us will go to our place of work tomorrow and hear a greeting like this. In chapter 2, verse 4. How does Boaz greet his workers? The Lord be with you. How refreshing is that? The Lord be with you. The only time, actually, this particular greeting is found in this form. It kind of indicates that it's much more than mere conversation. It kind of suggests that for Boaz and for his workers, even the ordinariness of daily work in the field is seen in the context of faith. Even the ordinariness of gleaning the harvest in the fields is seen in the context of a covenant relationship with Yahweh their God. Wow. It's fascinating. This greeting, there's a similar greeting, blessing referred to at the end of Psalm 129 in verse 8. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Very similar language. Similar language is used again in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Similar blessing. And for me, therefore, it does appear that Boaz's exchange of blessing with his workforce is very similar to that blessing exchanged at the end of worship. The blessing which is appropriate for worship is also the blessing that's appropriate for the workplace. So we're reminded here 
that in the Old Testament, at least, there is no separation between the sacred and the secular. The whole of life, it seems, is lived as unto God. So what does that mean to me? Well, the Dogatherton of Sunday worship must be the Dogatherton of daily chores on a Monday. Wouldn't you agree? And yet, oftentimes, we Christians find it convenient to segregate the secular from the spiritual. And yet, we don't see that, certainly in the Old Testament, and we don't see it either in the New. What you and I are, how you and I bless each other on a Sunday, the Lord bless you and be with you and keep you. So we ought to be on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And a Thursday. And you might argue, well, Pastor, that's all very well, but those I'm with on a Monday through Saturday won't appreciate the blessing. Are you sure about that? Have you tried it? Oh, you might find they put on a bit of a facade, certainly in the group. But you'll be amazed. You bless people in the workplace, and they will appreciate it. No segregation between the sacred and the secular. My friends, our God is a great God. The secret in the midst of Naomi's desperate situation was a family member that arguably she wasn't that familiar with. But God was. The coincidence... That Ruth happened to hap upon the field of the secret Boaz is no coincidence at all. Because God overrules. God is in control. God has, will have his way. And my friends, if we are in Christ tonight, then we ought not to even consider separating, segregating our secular disciplines with our spiritual. They ought to be the same. What we are together tonight, so we ought to be tomorrow in the home, in the workplace, in the school or college, in the community. That's what we are, for we are Christians. Those who live holy lives set apart unto Jesus.